The Lifestylist, episode 96, featuring Lacey Phillips. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Before we jump into this episode, let's have a quick heads up for a few of my upcoming speaking and teaching appearances. First up is Aspen Shakti on Friday, October 27th at 6 p.m. in the lovely and quite chilly by now Aspen, Colorado. That night I'll be presenting my workshop on modern spirituality and how to overcome negative thoughts and emotions. You can go to aspenshakti.com to register. That's Friday, October 27th at 6 p.m. at Aspen Shakti. Then come join me that same weekend, October 26th through 29th for the incredible Lead with Love Conference, also in Aspen. This epic event is sponsored by the nonprofit Aspen Wellbeing and features world-class yoga, curated workshops, music, and the healthiest food you've ever had in your life. Come take in classes and lectures with me, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, and tons of other high-vibe spiritual teachers and enlightened human beings. The special day for me is going to be October 29th, which is my 47th birthday, where you can come chill with me as I lead a special Amp Coil Harmonizing Meditation sponsored by the Wellness for Humanity Foundation. It's going to be a really special day because Aspen is the city in which I was conceived in 1970. So I'm going back full circle to do a string of events there. I'm really excited. To register for Lead with Love, here's what you do. Go to leadwithloveaspen.org and use the promo code LUKESTORY to save $100 off your four-day pass. Then right when I get back from the Rocky Mountain Tour, I'm going to be presenting my Lifestyle Design Level 1 Urban Biohacking Boot Camp Workshop at Noy House Hollywood. That's November 2nd, 2017 from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. Now this is going to be a free event, but space is limited and you must RSVP. To register for the Noya House event, go to lukestory.com forward slash events. Okay, then next up after that is the fantastic Mercado Sagrado in Malibu Canyon on November 4th and 5th, where I'll be presenting Elemental Alchemy, biohacking your water, air, earth, and light. I can't wait to be presenting at this event. I've gone there for a few years now, and I love it as a spectator. I have a feeling I'm going to love it even more, getting up on stage, spitting some game. So what is Mercado Sagrado? Here you go. It's a lifestyle celebration of the canyon spirit featuring musical performances, handmade and artisan goods, organic food, lectures, workshops, film screenings, experimental activities such as intuitive readings, sound baths, aura photography, vibrational medicine, and more. As you can imagine, this is my kind of event. It's a real hippie get down in the canyon. It's amazing. Seriously, though. If you want to come to Mercado Sagrado, go to mercado-sagrado.com to get your ticket. And by all means, if you forget all of the links and dates that I just mentioned, please make it easy on yourself and just go to lukestory.com forward slash events where I have the upcoming events listed as well as links for registration, times, dates, locations, and all that jazz. So again, go to lukestory.com forward slash events and come hang out with me in person. I'd really like to meet you. 
Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at earthrunners.com. If you follow me on social media, if you know me, you know that 95% of the time I'm not wearing traditional shoes because they suck and they're really bad for your body and for your feet. So I'm always wearing my earthrunners, whether I'm trail running, hiking, going to the beach, flying on an airplane, or even going to a party in Hollywood. Because unlike most minimal footwear, earthrunners actually look really dope. They have a great design. So they improve your biomechanics, the way that you walk, because essentially you're born to walk barefoot and earth runners give you that ability without getting your feet dirty and gross and getting kicked out of restaurants but what's even cooler about earth runners is that they're grounded they have conductive thread in the straps and a copper plug on the bottom that keeps you electronically grounded to mother earth it's fantastic so good for you on so many levels so if you want to check out earth runners go to earthrunners.com and enter the code luke 10 to save 10 percent off your order so go to earthrunners.com Enter the code LUKE10 and your life will be forever changed for the better. This here episode of The Lifestylist is brought to you by Living Libations. Living Libations is an exquisite line of botanical beauty products, immune-enhancing formulas, and potent dental serums for those seeking the purest of health and wellness products on the planet. Use the coupon code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and you will save 10% off your order. Living Libations is a company that I've been working with for years. I love their products. I use their face serums, creams, deodorant, dental hygiene products, the whole suite, basically. It's a really great place to find individual as well as blends of essential oils. People always ask me, where do you get essential oils? There's a lot of really lame oils out there. Living Libations are top-notch. I eat them. I put them on my skin. I make my own little formulae that I use in yoga class and everywhere else, so... If you're interested in essential oils, Living Libations is a great place to start. So go to livinglibations.com, use the code LIFESTYLIST, and save 10% off. What's up, what's up? I'm back in black. I hit the sack. I've been too long. I'm glad to be back with you, my friends, the listeners of the Lifestylist Podcast. Guess who our guest is today, y'all? That's right. It's Lacey Phillips from the site Free and Native. Lacey is a fantastically brilliant renaissance woman. She's also a manifestation advisor. She helps people unblock themselves from beliefs of unworthiness and just general whackness and helps them to achieve greater heights of understanding and achievement. She is just a brilliant woman. So if you caught last week's episode with Jeff Kober, this is a good warm up for this one because Lacey and I kind of continue on that thread. We sat in the same two seats as I did with Jeff and we went deep into the rabbit hole of all things manifestation. So this is one that I've really, really been eager to release. I've had a lot of emails and messages on social media. When's this one coming? When's it coming? Because the people that follow Lacey, like, yo, they really follow her. Her fans are rabid, mostly female, I might add. So I've been getting a lot of DMs from cute girls on Instagram. I get all excited and they're like, "Uh, not you, dude. When's Lacey's episode come out? Damn. But hey, listen, at least they're messaging. And I'm so pleased to share her message with you guys, man. She's just awesome. A couple things I wanted to let you know as well. Uh, If you go to Lacey's site, freeandnative.com, she's got a couple digital workshops, one in October and December, that really set the foundation of magnetism and working with money. So she's all about success, which is what we really talk about uh, in this episode. But anyway, speaking of success, she's going to hook you up with a discount from $10 off um, her Unblocked Digital Workshop until December 5th. So I don't know when you're going to be hearing this, but if 
if you use the code Luke on her site, you save 10 bucks. I thought that was cool of her. So check it out at freeandnative.com. No affiliation here, just supporting her and her work and supporting you with the opportunity to get some of her knowledge. But how about some free knowledge, yo, right now? Here's what we talk about in this show. We talk about ego as the shadow, the unconscious mind, and how to control it without letting it control you. And then we talk about her story, how at 25, she decided to throw out everything she knew about manifestation and made a decision to start listening to her own intuition and what her own higher power was telling her. How she developed her own process of manifestation that she now teaches to clients. How she uses NLP in her practice. Then we have some discussions on what the ego really is. There's a lot of misconceptions and different opinions on what that thing really is and what to do about it. And then we go into the film The Secret and the work of Abraham Hicks and whether or not the law of attraction is real. How to develop self-worth manifesting what you want yet not defining yourself by externals and materialism pretty cool stuff how she developed the vision of her brand and her work because her branding and her site and everything is so on point so i was very curious as to how she came up with all of that and why she chose to use the word manifestation over life coaching or training or any of those other common words that we hear in this space Then we explore the question, should people feel guilty for making money out of teaching spiritual material? Something we talked to Jeff Kober about last week, if you remember that. How she has survived her many dark nights of the soul. How she has overcome issues like abandonment, the shadow self, and inner child and early trauma. How to rid ourselves of codependency issues and how we got them to begin with. How to overcome low self-worth, shame, and limiting beliefs. And how we get rid of negative thoughts about our bodies. So many of us have negative self-images when we look in the mirror. Myself included at times, I have to admit. So she talks about how we can overcome that particular propensity. Then what's up with the current awakening of powerful yet super feminine women in the now or new age in our current spiritual movement? How she finds balance between the feminine energy of her content and her teaching while still being a badass businesswoman. So as you can see, we cover a lot of ground in this episode. It's about an hour and a half. This is not one you want to flake out on. Like There is good stuff all the way up until the end. I think that once you dive into this, you're probably going to be glued to those earphones or whatever you're listening to this on. So more than anything, I just want to thank you for joining me on another episode. As I said, I was really excited to put this one out, and uh, I think it will not disappoint. So share it with a friend, and uh, don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for number 97 with Aaron and Geneva from Amp Coil. It's going to be a fantastic episode about one of my most cherished and newly discovered healing technologies. See you next next Tuesday for number 97. But for now, all you've got to do is sit back and enjoy this interview with Lacey Phillips. Welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast, Lacey. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am too. Great to meet you. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. And uh, from what I understand, this is in fact your first podcast, is it not? First ever, and I'm totally nervous about it. It Actually, preparing to come here felt like when I used to act. It was like, oh, I'm going to a commercial, and I went to many commercial auditions on this side of town, so I feel... Like I'm in audition mode, but I know that'll gently ground. Oh so. yeah, that's that's that'll totally go away because you'll realize in a minute, like all, the microphone on your head and all these cameras <laughs> and all this stuff aren't even here, and we're literally just like going to go into Love a it. vortex of consciousness and fun times. 
Uh, but I appreciate that I'm your first one. That's yes. exciting. It's cool. Yeah. I'm so excited. But it really is just like a conversation with headphones on. Perfect. Basically. And I got my fancy new recorder, which seems to be working. I see the count. So nothing's going to go wrong with that. I can hear you. You can hear me. So we're off to a good start. It's perfect. So I'm going to dive right in. Uh, I found you a couple years ago through your site. And I was looking around for reference sites when I was kind of building my first health and wellness-based site, the one that I have now. I have this fashion school, which is a whole other thing, different type of branding, Mm -hmm. whole different steez. But when I wanted to do something a little more earthy and kind of looking at my own brand, someone turned me on to your site and I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. It's about like health food and healthy living and all that, but it's not ugly. Mm. And so that was the first thing, you know, just coming from the fashion industry and everything and just being artistically oriented, I guess, I have a hard time with stuff in the spiritual realm or in totally. health and wellness if, it, if it's not branded nicely and just doesn't have a great aesthetic. So I loved the way it looked. And then I started diving into your content and I was like, wow, this chick is super conscious and rad. Thank you. Not only have good taste and like are in alignment with a lot of the lifestyle yeah. stuff that I am, but it just looks beautiful. So... I was reviewing your site in preparation for this interview and just on your about page, I found this and I've never actually read anything, you know, from anyone's work before. A lot of people that interview an author, they'll like quote their book. I'm like, that's cool. I should do that sometime. So I was just guided to do this. Mm -hmm. So on your site, it says free and native is a source of inspiration, musings, materials, and thoughts advocating the unblocking of molds that foil your personal freedom and true native essence, Mm -hmm. supporting an opening for attaining your intent. Weekly, you'll find a dose of manifestation culture centering on Lacey Phillips' technique and philosophies from her unique practice. I was like, damn, (laughs) that's pretty good. I don't know if you have a great copywriter or you're a good writer or what. So unpack your vision and your work, your site. Like, What what does that all mean to you? Yes, I'll start from the get-go. First, thank you for saying that about the aesthetic. And I have to note that actually when I felt called to put this out there, I was very much led by the universe. It was four years ago that I put my blog into the world. And I had no idea that I'd actually be doing a blog. But when I sort of... it's it sounds cheesy, but when I received the signs, everything pointed to this blog, My New Roots. And at the time I saw it, I was like, oh yes, that's that's it. I'll do a blog. I feel it. I feel that's what's going to happen. But when I went to look to reference, nothing existed that was modern. And so I really found that I would fit, or I felt that I would fit that niche. I had come from an acting background, a design background. I taught for a little bit. And I'm an Aquarius and very aesthetically forward as well, like most people. So I thought, okay, I'll create the site that a banker on Wall Street could tune into as well as like a super granola person in Fairfax, California. Like it could really hit the mold and not turn anyone off. And it was funny back then because I didn't know it actually really lends itself to a female audience just because I speak to who I speak to. So I had no idea. But at the time, I thought it would be so broad and it would connect to everybody. So thank you for saying that. That's interesting because later on, one of my questions is going to be a spoiler alert here as what percentage of your audience is female and do you have any males? It's like 90. My clients, I I would say 95% Yeah, all around, universally. I want to get into that a little bit later uh, because it's funny when I started doing my podcast and the stuff that I'm doing, I really thought it would be mostly dudes. Mm. 
Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm kind of, I just have this rock and roll sort of vibe mm-hmm. and attitude and I talk all about biohacking and the really nerdy stuff, but it's weird. A, a lot of women resonate with the stuff I'm doing, which was a total shock. I'm like, really? Y'all are interested in this stuff? Totally. It's, it's weird. <laughs> in fact, my friend Meredith Baird, who, do you know her? No, I don't. She's wonderful. She's worth definitely someday interviewing. But she's a raw food chef, incredible in the scene, and she's who turned me on to you. And since I found you, it's now most women I connect with know about your podcast. That's but crazy. Yet to meet a man. So I got to turn some men onto your site. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. do it, vice versa. Totally. <laughs> but back to that point, yeah. what you were saying. So that's actually probably the third iteration of an about me. I hate about me. I hate biographies. I feel I come through as an energy. So whenever I have to sit down and actually write those, it's the most tedious and annoying thing. And the way that I operate, I wait for the download. And so at some point that downloaded through me and that just really encompassed everything that I do. And especially in my work with people, advising them through manifestation, it's all about I like to say, well, we'll get into more of that later, but manifestations, very simple, were complicated. So everything that I'm teaching people is about unblocking anything that's inhibiting them from doing that and getting back to just their complete authentic essence, their native self. And it was a really beautiful way because Free and Native also downloaded through me four years ago. I had no it's idea. It's a great name. Thank you. I, it's awesome. I literally threw it out to the universe and I was trying to control that experience. And I said, show me. I'm done. I'm done trying to come up with this. And I was walking my dog and then across the street, I heard someone say free. And the way it comes through, it's always a tingle down my spine. And it was like free and native. Okay, I'll do it. Whatever. I'm, I'm guided. I'll listen to you. So it was a beautiful way finally to put those things together. I had never really had an explanation for either of those, but it's just everything that I'm teaching is an operation of becoming free and operating from your native essence. If you do that, manifestation is so incredibly easy, but it's almost the hardest thing to suggest to someone. It's like, hey, crack down that ego shell that you've created your whole life and then just operate from that in the world, in safety. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so impossible. Yeah, yeah. That That is difficult because it's like, the ego has its own defense mechanisms. You know, it's like, it's the uh, cosmic joke of the universe, the ego. It's like, it's this thing that's here to protect our body, Mm -hmm. right? And to get us food and sex Mm -hmm. and shelter and, you know. Individuality. Yeah, and all of that, right? But it's like the very thing that stops you from, your Truly soul connected. from actually living. <laughs> it's like, Completely. it's like sucks. You it's, know? it's such a dichotomy. Yeah. And, uh, and not to say that I have it figured out by any means. I feel closer and closer and that's a lifelong journey. But um, it's also incredibly tricky, the ego, right? Because for the most part, I'll even, so the person I consult with constantly is an astrologer. She's a psychological astrologer named Danielle Beinstein. And she's also here. And she's the only person who really understands my process and my language and the way I see the the world and she knows my history really well. So I actually have to call her and be like, wait a second, Danielle, is this reality what's coming in or is this just ego? Like I, it's a blind spot. I need your, your set of eyes. And she's great at that, but that's how the ego shows up. It's so tricky and it is just in essence safety, but at the same time, it's the most inhibiting thing on the planet. It is. And it, it stops anyone else from giving you that objective point of view or feedback too. Exactly. You know, unless you're unless you have some awareness of it and you can 
be humble enough to know that you don't know, yes, then that's just what runs you. And living a life like that, which I lived most of my life mm-hmm. from that point of view, is mm-hmm. fucking miserable. <laughs> so it is, you know. it is, and I could go on about this forever. But I always like yeah. to note too. I see the ego as the shadow, which is the unconscious mind, which is the feminine. I see them all as one unanimous thing, and I think they're medicine in some ways, especially in childhood. But they all need to be integrated. So yeah, even having the conscious awareness, like I'm open, give me feedback. I'm, my blinders are on. Who am I to know everything about myself? Not a good point of reference. So I like wow, that you have to okay. say that. Okay, well, we're going to, I can tell this is going to get deep. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'm like, so, so you mentioned that you used to do acting and stuff like that. So before four years ago when you started your blog, what were you doing? How'd you pay the bills and what were you into? Yes. Yeah, so how do I make this story short? Because I feel like I could go on and on about it. But um, there's parallels. So essentially at about 16 or 17, I noticed the calling to acting. And I always have to break it down because I'm like, mm, was that the calling to acting or was it an extension of my mom's dream that I was following out because she used to do that a little bit down here. And so at 17 and a half, I got my first agent. I was already coming down here for commercials. Down from where? From outside of Yosemite. Okay. Is that where Fairfax? No, No. that's more, you grew up in the Bay, right? Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. So no, Fairfax is in Marin. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. It was like the really granola spot of Marin, which I used to visit. But anyway, so I'm from right outside of Yosemite in a really small town called Mariposa. That's where I live with my dad's side of the family. And then my mom's side of the family was in a really interesting place in the Central Valley called Modesto, which is charming. A lot of my family lives there still, but most people see it as somewhere that you drive by and you don't have a lot of association There's a band that I used to listen to a lot called Granddaddy. Oh, I don't know that. Are they from from there? Yeah, they were a rad band. This is their, I think they broke up. Yeah, they were amazing. Anyway, I did Like Ska? Because I felt like Ska was a No, no, they were like, uh, this is going back in the late 90s. They were like late 90s through the early 2000s and they were sort of they were really cool. They had like really great album covers first off because all their album covers were set in nature, but they would have like Pretty. old keyboards and computers and like electronics that were just discarded and kind of trashing the Ooh, I like, yeah. Yeah, they had a really cool th- theme in terms of all their artwork, but the music was very like, I don't know, it was... They had the mix of like this very organic acoustic guitar. It's very much like their artwork, like acoustic guitar, singer songwritery. Beautiful. But then it it had this bed of really freaky sort of synthesizers and keyboards over wow. it too. Yeah, it's their granddaddy. We'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, they're. Wow. I mean, to this day, they're a great band. They just stopped putting out albums. But yeah, they were. They awesome. were from Modesto and they would like sing about Modesto and stuff. A lot of people are from Modesto who are really? notable. Even um, George Lucas is from Modesto. Wow, yeah. Really? yeah, we have some like notable people that came out of there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so your mom so, had been doing acting. Yeah, here and you a little bit. I followed that. I had very young parents. I had like four sets of caretakers. I had my mom and dad. They were super young, 18 and 19 when they had me. And then I had an aunt and uncle who helped raise me as well. And he was Iran. So I had this really interesting mix three days of the week of Middle Eastern culture, which was really beautiful. And then my grandparents. So at 17 and a half, I came down here and I was acting and I thought about college, but I deferred right away because I booked my first national commercial and that paid really well. And I was like, who wants to go to college? I don't even know what I want to do anyway. I have to pay for it myself. And that didn't make sense to have debt coming out of that if I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I acted from... I would say 17 and a half to 25. 
And during that time, I just was really unconscious about it. I gave it my whole heart. I was so dedicated and I definitely was getting somewhere and had buzz. And so my last pilot season, I had just started my first film and I was headed to a pilot and it was an, I can only explain it as I woke up one morning and I woke up that morning and I was heading there and I, I asked myself, do I really, it was the first time I, I think it was my conscious awakening that I was like asking, do I, what do I want? Who am I? Those things I had never truly asked myself before. And that day I did. And I said, do I want to be on this pilot? And well, yeah, like superficially, I want to buy a house in the hills. I want to be on this pilot for sure. But I don't really want to be on it. I'm not passionate about it. And I started to look at the statistics of the thousands of auditions I had been on. And I, at that point, was going out on everything aside from what a celebrity would be taking. But I started to look at the ratio of how many projects I had gone on that I would actually want to be a part of. And two, there were two out of thousands. It was Greenberg and How to Make It in America. And that moment, it was just a spiral on that day. I was like, so I'll be happy 0.00000.2% of my life and my future. My girlfriends are already getting plastic surgery, something I didn't have an interest in and I watched a lot of women in my family band-aid their problems and addiction through that so a lot just hit me at once on that day and that day was the conscious day I decided to quit and so simultaneous to that before at about 17 and a half we always had a family intuitive that my mom had and she told me in one of my readings I think any artist out there wants to figure out how to control their lifestyle and especially money. <laughs> like, how am I going to survive? So she told me about a book. She said, go and read this book called The Game of Life and How to Play It and just follow that to a T and you'll manifest everything you want. So she was my first at 17 to rabbit hole down manifestation. And to me, as somebody who is so controlling, I was like, yes, show me, show me the hack of how I can, how I can do this. So I did that book and I lived it out and I still open it up from time to time and like look at the underlining of it and it just didn't really do much for me. And I went on to do The Secret and all the Hicks books and all the other things that we're familiar with. A, I knew I was a really good manifester, that I could just make things happen that were really big and very kismet, but never in those ways. So the day, it's not the day, but like around the same year at 25 when I really quit acting was around the same time that I said, I'm no longer going to, I'm going to throw everything out that I learned from those processes and just watch my process. What I do when, which always equals to something I want showing up. I mean, down to a $300 apartment in Echo Park Hills, like, I mean, partners down to long blonde surfer hair and European moms. I mean, just crazy shit. I was really qualified, not qualified, but just really good at manifesting. So those kind of simultaneously came to a head. So I had one year after that, that I went to go and teach at a preschool. And during that year, I had the most horrific experience. It was beautiful. I learned a lot, but it was the most toxic faculty environment on the planet. And it just started to manifest in my body. A public school? No, like a really nice, yeah, private school on the West Side. So I was driving in traffic two hours a day and I was just eating anything sugary to make myself feel better. At the end of the year, I had my appendix removed. I mean, so much in my, my whole endocrine system was off. Just everything went awry. And so... When I left that, I said, universe, I'll never, ever work for somebody else again. Because before that, it was really up or down with acting. It was 
a lot of money or waitressing at a comedy club on Sunset that treated me like shit. And so it was just no in between. That's and it funny. Was- <laughs> it's hard to imagine you having that job. <laughs> oh, it was awful. But that was the same time. When I left, I said, universe, show me. I'll never, ever work for somebody else again. I have $4,000 in savings and I have about three or four months of unemployment coming in and I will not get a job. So I'm literally just sitting here and listening to you. And I kept getting the signs. It was like, have you seen that blog, My New Roots? And so about three of them, I know to listen a little bit louder. I checked it out and I said, okay, I'll do this. I'll I'll start my version of it. And that's when I came out. I said, mine won't be really food-based, but it'll be holistically based. And I'll save about 10 emails a week to friends who already ask my opinion on everything anyway. Oh my God, right? I totally yeah. relate to that part. It's exactly. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, that's the very similar thing that happened to me is like enough of my friends were like, oh, how do you do this? How do you, mm-hmm. you know, like sleep supplements or hacking totally. jet lag or like the best meditation like this and that. And it's like, it does, it's fun to share that. But after a while you like go, I need to put all this in one place. Totally. And then when people ask me, I'm just like, go over there and yes, find it. Here's like, the link. <laughs> I just made a store on my site. actually kind of similar to you, like recommend it. I mean, laid out a little different, but mm-hmm. my favorite of all the stuff that you can like add so to smart. your sort of health regimen that way I don't have to answer every single email. I'm like, just go to the sleep section and you're good or go to the food or supplements or herbs or whatever. And then that's all the stuff that I think is the best for right now, you know? Yeah, it's great. Mine's constantly changing as well. And so with, with the site, uh, at what point did you start to monetize it and Mm -hmm. realize like, wow, I could actually make a job out of this. It's not just a cute hobby to like share my, you know, my favorite things with people. It's a great question because when I first started it, I had no blogger friends, no concept of blogging, nothing. I was literally just following an impulse or a message. And so it took me about a year to even have people come into my consciousness that were sort of bloggers and attracting in. And then I started to realize, oh, they make money off of this. So in the meantime, when money started to run out, it was really fitting to my manifestation process. I kind of just watched what it was my, it was my first entry way into freelance work. I was like, that'll be the gap. It'll be freelance, but I won't work for other people. They'll just be my clients. And so Initially, the first thing that I thought of, you know, and it came again as a download, I was like, well, I'm building this brand. I, you know, I'm building a decent social media following. I could do this for other people. And it was actually another girl that I met from a company that had pitched their products to me. And she, you know, we had lunch and I was like, what do you do for the company? And she was like, oh, I do all of their social media. And I said, more, like, what is that? What do you mean? And so she said, I take all of their Instagram photos, I write their copy, and then I charge them this retainer monthly. And I was like, oh my, God, I can totally do that. Okay, cool. So then I threw that out. I made a deck and I threw it out to the top 20 companies that I would want to even help grow their businesses. And then I took on my favorite. And so I did that for about four months of just having, being sort of a creative director to all of these companies just for their social medias. And there were only about two or three. And then I realized really quickly, I didn't like doing that for other people's brand, just my own, you know, again, I, I think I'm just meant to work for myself. So that's how I was sort of making money, but skimming by. And even my ex at the time was really supplemental and helpful during that period. 
And then the next download came. I had a friend who reached out and said, you know, my two friends, they're really big in the studio system here in LA. They're looking for a holistic, healthy, private chef. Do you know anybody? And I had been thinking actually of offering that service. So I said, I actually do. Like, (laughs) I'm thinking about doing that. I'll do that. Yeah, me. Yeah, perfect. And she was like, you'd be great. And they took me on. And then I got a couple of other clients. But during that time... I sort of, like, I think that was about two years in, um, and I started to hear about and read about how people were monetizing very, and I, I think what equates what we make monetarily, it's all energy. I think it's equatable to our self-worth. And mine was very low, um, having had so much rejection in my like whole early 20s and then into working really shitty jobs that treated me terribly. Mine was so tiny. So when I learned about the process of monetizing, I mean, I think I was doing it through affiliates and I was doing it through sponsorships. And I think when I first put together my first deck of sponsorships, it was like $60 for a full blog review. <laughs> <It was laughs> right, like, right. They were like, awesome. This is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I started to meet with other bloggers and hear what they were charging. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that was my self-worth around it. And at some point I said, universe, I'm not making over a thousand dollars on a sponsorship and I feel worth it because I only work with brands that I really admire. But when the bigger ones come in, I think I should be making over that. And I know a lot of bloggers that are, show me what that is. And I remember reading an article, like opening the page on Harper's to this one fashion blogger that was so candid, probably embarrassingly candid about what she was making. I think it was one of these interviews and <laughs> she had no edit, like ability to edit it. And that really showed me like the gap of what I could be making. So most of what I was living on during the time that I was freelancing, once I finally figured it out and while I was private chefing, it was three of those revenues that were coming in. And then I hit the point, which was two and a half years ago, where I had been really sitting in the closet to put this process of manifestation out there. And it was actually a couple of the clients that I was working for, chefing for, that it was just my second nature. The way that my vocabulary even rolls is like, oh, the universe did this, I manifested that, yada, yada, yada. And so at some point, one of them, she was an actress, and she said, I want to hear a little bit more about, you're always manifesting things, you know, and the partner stuff, she was single. And she was like, I really want to try this out. And I was like, I don't even know if it'll work with you. I've never actually done it with somebody else. It's only sort of my thing. At the time, I thought I was just really gifted at (laughs) like the ego. And so I did that with her and she started manifesting right away. And then I started to do it with other people. And so I sat on that for a good year of just being so afraid of being even more of an alien and putting that out there. I mean, my dad's side of the family where I come from in a small town outside of Yosemite, everybody is conservative and, you know, voted for coming out and being like, I'm a manifestation advisor was next level crazy in my shadow. And so it hit a really funny point monetarily that I believe the universe does this to push a bird out of the nest. It was like all my resources dried up. It was everybody went away for the holidays or whatever. And I had no money and it just hit me in meditation. I was like, ah, I hear the bigger message. I need to stop being afraid and jump off this cliff and do it. And when I put it out there, it was like, it was just, it took off right away. So that's sort of my, and now, oh my gosh, I'm about to hire an assistant editor. I've dropped off of like the blog monetization. It just doesn't even bring me interest anymore. It's just all manifestation. So I need somebody to overview all of that. I don't even respond to emails I'm getting in. They're like, we'd love to partner, you know? So 
that's become sort of something that I don't even care that's, about much. That's anymore. cool. Yeah, but I, I like that you're going to hire someone to do it because because yes, why know, not? You can help a lot of great brands reach a lot of great people. You Absolutely, know? and help them. I understand when your passion sort of switches gears though, and things open up in one direction, and you kind of go toward that. You know, I definitely relate to that. There's something that's interesting about the teaching element of what you do, mm-hmm. and I found this also unique. On your site, um, I'll, I'll just read something else because yeah. the whole idea of like the law of attraction and the mm-hmm. secret and all that stuff—it's a very like fine line for me mm-hmm. on that being an ego trip of being caught in desire. Like, I totally. need to manifest a Porsche and a supermodel and a mansion, yeah, whatever. Know? Yeah, there's like a lot of that like desire energy in that, which yeah. in my life has led me to dissatisfaction even right. when I achieve the thing. So I want to I want to get into that, but first I want to cover just the verbiage. You have like I don't do you, are you familiar with NLP at all? Yeah, for sure. I use okay. it in my practice. Okay, for yeah. Sure. So yeah. Cuz your your copy is fascinating. I mean, I think that's why for the first time I'm actually reading some copy because the words that you use, I can tell are are very specifically chosen mm-hmm. and there's a lot of restraint and a lot of intention in the mm-hmm. way that you describe what you do. So I want to get into the coaching. So how you described how you work with people is like this. My process of manifestation varies dramatically from the spiritual bypass. That one really got me. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of like spiritual teachers out there that sure. I don't think have that part. A spiritual bypass jargon that exists in common new age literature. Sadly, manifestation isn't as easy as thinking and visualizing something into existence. My theory regarding the universe is that its main intention is to assist us in becoming our most evolved versions of self. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Therefore, the closer we get to becoming whole slash integrated, the more we are rewarded with the subjects we're calling in. So the moment we cast our lists, expand our beliefs, and pass lessons and tests, the universe can only send our manifestations if we've healed and shifted the blocks preventing us from the subject we're calling in. Really well written. Totally makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And... That doesn't say anything about like, I am a life coach. Like no. you've, you, you've avoided using the word coach, teacher, guru, leader. Like there's very, a, a deliberate omission mm-hmm. of words that can be perceived as sort of like corny mm-hmm. and, you know. Absolutely. Phony. And this, I, I think I'm so curious about this because I struggle with this all the time because yeah. I also work with people. And, and I think it's because I always hated sports. I don't mm. like the word coach. Mm-hmm. Like, me I don't, neither. I don't want to coach. That means it's some dick like whistle with totally. a whistle like yelling at me <laughs> to do 10 more push-ups or something. I call my stuff coaching. I've thought mm-hmm. about like lifestyle design architect. I mean, I've thought of every conceivable word yeah. to try and describe that. So... Did you have to work hard to sort of frame what you do creatively like that to not kind of. have it be presented as cheesy or is this just the way that you talk and the way that you think? No. So fascinatingly, when I went to set the intention to really put it into the world, number one, I was like, what the F am I even saying? You know, it was evolving as it went. I knew my formula so well and a lot of my tools, but I didn't have an idea of how to market it. And I trusted that. I I knew that they would download. That's how everything comes through me. And what I mean by that is just an intuitive hit that I get. It hits into my mind and and it's so loud and right. 
the same way Free and Native came in, the same way to start the blog. And so what I initially called myself was a guide. And I only did that. Coach also turns me off. It always has. Isn't that the worst word? <laughs> totally sucks. I think that's what's on my website right now. It's I'm okay. Like, oh, God, no, It'll it's, evolve. I don't like it. <laughs> guide. I like guide. Yeah. You know, like even like mentor is weird. I, yeah, think what, totally. I think what it is, and you know, and we'll get back on that, on your answer. But I think what it is, is like, I never like to be the one that's putting myself in a position where like I'm the one that's figured it out yes. and I'm going to teach you how to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole premise of the podcast was like, hey, audience, let's go on a journey. I'm exploring personal development and like being the happiest, most awesome person I can be in the world yeah. and creating the best lifestyle known to man, you know, and, and you're like with me. So as I interview people like you, I'm like, hey, audience, come check this out with me. Let's both learn together. Mm. And even when I work with people one-on-one, I'm like, hey, like I'm going through shit too. I don't mm-hmm. have anything figured out. It's just a matter of like the coach or teacher or the one who's totally. the guy is also working on themselves, but they just might be further down the road in certain areas. Sure, right? so, or they can see your blind spots. Yeah. Or, it, and you might be able to see theirs. You know, that's the beauty. We're all mirrors. So right. for me initially with it, I just hated the word coach. I was turned off because there's so many health, you know, and I'm an herbalist as well. So I used to have to navigate that. I did that a little bit. And it just also isn't what I do. I don't really coach people, you know? And initially I said guide because it was like, oh, that's more in the spiritual realm, I guess. But even what I do is about 15% spirituality and the rest is all psychology. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's all getting into their subconscious and really reprogramming it. So finally it hit me and it was about a year in that I was like I'm an advisor because half these people I tell what to do they don't even listen to me anyways they are coming for that was initially they are coming for a quick fix and that's why now so much of my content's all about like don't waste your money on that because you're not going to get that from me especially if you want to see results so I just advise I can advise you what to do and then it's your journey it's free will after that to you know follow and manifest or don't (laughs) whatever but so that felt really right to me and really natural and I look at other people in professions like art advisor financial advisor and it's very similar to what I do you know it's I have a little bit of a keen sense of the exact process I teach which varies drastically from what's sort of out there and all I can do is advise you what to do for your future the same thing somebody would do with their collection or their finances right so that's and and is it and another interesting thing about this whole model is and I know from looking at the way that you market your <laughs> advisory <laughs> work is is that there's not like, okay, here's what you get, yes. this many hours, this Never. many days, this, that. And that, like that's my thing too, because it's like, I can't even do that because you don't really know what's going to happen with a client until you sit down with them or totally. Skype with them. And then like you're saying, it just starts to become revealed. Like I talked to a coaching client today. I did like a 15 minute consultation and I'm going to ask a couple questions. I'm like, all right, dude, are you, is health your main thing that mm-hmm. you feel you need to start off? Are you spiritually stuck? Mm-hmm. You know, are you having like acute relationship problems? Like what's the low hanging fruit right now that's so obvious that's your problem? Mm-hmm. He answered a little bit, and I was like, mm, you're not "That's aware. not it." Yeah. I was like, "No, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that you're 20 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. That's just a, that's a <laughs> yeah, symptom of it's what's a happening. symptom of what's yeah. going on on the inside." But then it's like, 
when you talk to someone about, well, here's the program, there is no, like, I don't yeah. have a program. The program is whatever comes up in that moment, you know? Completely. Is that, is that kind of how you work too? Totally. And that's the thing is like, again, like I always have to say manifestation isn't complicated. We are. So I have to see how complicated <laughs> the person is only in relation to what they're calling in. So for someone who kills it on the material plane they can get the house they want or the this they want or the whatever but just has been single for 20 years I have to look at how deep that is you know what was the abandonment that went on who hurt you so bad where's the shame we have to see and unblock that if you want to open that channel and also a major part of what my job is for people and how my process is very different than others is There are about three elements that are never spoken about when you read any of these manifestation books that exist in New Age, uh, what I call spiritual bypass. It's very masculine. It's think happy, turn on a nice song on the radio, visualize what you want, you know, which all failed me. I tried them all, like down the rabbit hole as far as I could go. When you're an actor, you're visualizing your ass off (laughs) being on that pilot. Didn't do me any good because at the time I had really, really, really low self-worth. It was, you would never know it on the outside. I seem like a very confident human being, but in terms of deep-seated beliefs in my subconscious, just based on how I was raised, I did. I went from house to house with young parents who also didn't have a fully developed sense of worth and how to model that for me. So once I started to grow that, I started to see results from that. And also a really important element of manifestation that's never spoken about is we have to expand into our beliefs, right? So I believe that when we're born, especially from the age of zero to, let's say, 14, 20, if I'm being generous, our model of belief in the subconscious, the reptilian brain, the prehistoric brain that we can only get to in a very specific way is pretty structured at that point. And so I believe that it projects out exactly what it saw to believe unless it's expanded. And what I mean by expanding, it's simple neuroscience. We learn through mirror neurons, right? That's how we learn as a society and as a village is by seeing what other people are doing and believing that's the way to do it. So if let's say someone's intention is to, as an artist, become very successful as an artist, but they grew up with two banking parents who told them that art would always be a hobby and that they didn't stand a chance in art and they never saw anybody make money or have a sense of success. They have to go into the world and expand that belief system to create that space for it to come through. Now, let's take all of the shame they receive from their art. Let's even think about the third grade art teacher who looked at their work that was really abstract. (laughs) She was really rigid. And in that key moment, they threw something in their shadow because they felt a sense of rejection and there wouldn't be love. That all has to unblock and then once they're in alignment with their worth they've reprogrammed and they really believe they're worth it that's when things start to unite however the only way that you can actually manifest keely is if it's not coming from an egoic place and i'm very liberal on what ego means and this type of intention I love material things. I think as material beings, we deserve what we materially want, but it can't be coming from a place to complete us exteriorly, right? There you go. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to get into right there is that whole thing with the secret and even the Esther Hicks stuff and like all the law of attraction. The part of that always turned me off about it was like I said, there's that sense of desire and wanting Mm -hmm. that if I get that thing, it's going to complete me. It's the same as an addict. It's the same thing. Whereas like, 
the way that I live that works best for me is like, yeah, I set my intention on something that I want. There's a lot of shit that I want, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm not happy now and I'm not satisfied now. But when I get to that point or get that thing, then I'll be happy because totally. it's like, I've, I've sort of learned that if I can't just be happy, like sitting here right now with whatever my life looks like, even if I'm in the middle of a really painful sort of growth period or whatever, mm-hmm. if I can't like truly be rooted in that, then it doesn't matter if you hand me a house in the Hollywood Hills tomorrow. I don't know how to be happy in this apartment. Why am I going to be happy in that house? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? If I can't 100%. be happy and contented being single and you give me the woman of my dreams tomorrow, I'm still going to be dissatisfied because I'm a dissatisfied person. 100%. Like, right? Yes. So I, right. Just, I have dissatisfaction in my energy field. And that's in your body, I'm, in your heart, in yeah, your soul. And so yeah. that whole like the law of attraction and manifesting things and like I'm, I learn how to get what I want has always kind of turned me off because I'm like, yeah, but you got to just be cool with what you have. Yeah. So where's the where's the balance there in like going, hey, I'm totally grateful for what I have, but I also want to expand into my capacity as a right. person. And like what would it be like if I had a multi-million dollar company or mm-hmm. the maid of my dreams or the three homes in different countries or something like that, knowing right. that I'm not there's not I think the word I'm looking for is attachment, right? Sure. That I'm attached to those things mm-hmm. as my sense of security or yes. or even my sense of like egoic identity. Mm-hmm. So how do I want things and work toward achieving things without having my satisfaction and happiness be contingent on that? Right. So you're kind of answering yourself, but what I want to depict first and then move into answering that is, can you think of a time where you used an exterior source outside of you to make you happy and it blew up in your face? And if you can, would you share that? God, let me count the ways. <laughs> oh my Oh my God. Yeah. Give I us mean, one. Oh my God. I mean, you know, I think my, I was a fashion stylist for 17 years and I never set out to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just, I was a musician, you know, like same thing, like you're saying, going on auditions. I was never an actor, but the rejection you face as a musician is not so direct. You don't walk in a room with casting directors and they're like, <laughs> no thanks. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the back in the day, you send your demo tapes out and no one answers you and, and stuff like that. But just as an artist beating my head against the wall, it never, it just never clicked. Mm-hmm. I could never fully make a good living doing that. Mm-hmm. And then styling, I just kind of went into. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, my ego kind of grabbed onto that mm-hmm. because I didn't even know it was a cool job. Mm-hmm. It was a sense of identity and success. Yeah, totally. Point. So mm-hmm. I was I was actually kind of embarrassed for the first couple of few years I was a stylist because I wanted to be a musician and mm-hmm. I thought being a stylist was kind of lame. Yeah, and so copping it, out. Yeah, like it wasn't that popular. But then like, I don't know, I'd meet girls or something. They're like, you're a stylist? Whoa, that's hot. And I was like, really? That's like cool. Okay. Cool. And then I started to really get invested in it and become more passionate about it. But then my identity became associated with that and the same thing with music to a Mm -hmm. degree so both of those things you could say you know I had varying degrees of passion about them but it was like the first thing I said to someone when I met them Mm -hmm. you know and so eventually like with the fashion career I was really burned out but I kept doing it probably for like four years five years too long Mm -hmm. when I wasn't really passionate about it and I was really burned out and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do this what I'm doing right now Mm -hmm. so you could say that that kind of blew up in my face in a sense Mm -hmm. because I got accustomed to the money Mm -hmm. and accustomed to like having a position and you know a good title and all of that stuff but it really wasn't serving me and it took me years to kind of figure that out I always think my partner at my school school of style Lauren she was like dude 
why are you still a stylist? She used to always ask me, like, it's, it's my thing. It's what I do. She's like, no, it's not. Mm. You're supposed to be doing this other stuff. You don't even like it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're just like, your ego is just attached to it because totally. it's on your business card and you have a website and you think it makes you cool. You don't need that shit. I was right. Like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you look back, like if we just go back to uh, the music component, yeah. did you grow up with musicians who were successful ever? No, mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, it's funny. I, I never thought, when I was a kid, I thought that you had to start playing music when you were like five years old and you were either a prodigy mm-hmm. and then you became Jimi Hendrix or like you, it just never happened for you. So when I moved to Hollywood, I was 19. I met all these guys that I used to listen to in high school and stuff. I was just weird. I just met all these sort of rock stars mm-hmm. and shit and was like hanging out in Hollywood mm-hmm. and they all taught me how to play wow. and then got me to go be in bands and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then really what happened with that too is another like ego trip, even aside from just kind of eventually getting frustrated because I couldn't pay the bills doing mm-hmm. that. It was like the motive for doing that was partially a love of creativity and making music but it was also that sense of identity being seen yeah where Mm -hmm. it was like when i met someone maybe i was a waiter or even like there's one point i used to like drive hookers around that was my job you know the middle of the night it's like that was one of my my day jobs yeah i mean i've done some weird stuff i dealt drugs for a long time and i've done weird stuff but when i met someone they're like what do you do i'm like oh i'm in a band Mm mm-hmm but then I'd realize, like, I'm on tour in the UK or whatever for months, like, freezing my ass off, missing home, missing my friends, missing my healthy food mm-hmm. and all that. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's so I can tell people I'm in a band. But I didn't actually like being in a band. Right. I like sitting around playing some guitar. Like, I play, you know, I have a couple guitars here. I like to play yeah. music. But you didn't, it wasn't. I don't like it love. enough to yeah, suffer totally. as a starving artist and like travel Forever. around in a van yeah, yeah, at yeah. 35 years old or whatever at the time. I was like, totally. wait, I'm totally doing this just because it's an ego trip. Absolutely. And with the styling, did you start to have health stuff manifest in your body or anything like that? Was your world becoming unmanageable in ways or were you receiving tests or lessons that kind of blew yeah, up in your face? I was, I was, I was receiving lessons in that jobs were never smooth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just like, Oh God, there's always a publicist or someone from the label or the mm-hmm. network or the studio. Like there's just always some pain in the ass. The only oddly, weirdly enough, the only job I had like a longstanding client that was super fun and easy and I never had any issues with was Marilyn Manson. Really? Yeah, which is so which is so weird because you'd think like, oh, I should go work with a pop artist or something mm-hmm. and that would be easy. No, it's actually like just working with someone who is super hardcore. Totally great. <laughs> like, awesome. You know, super hardcore and like not part of the corporate music world at all. And it's like, oh, I actually like, that was a really fun client to work with and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it creatively and stuff. And that was like two or three years I did that. But Outside of that, a lot of the jobs just in the middle of it, I was super stressed out. Right. But at the same time, I was also, you know, like doing this biohacking and meditating Mm -hmm. and kundalini yoga Mm -hmm. and I'm sober and I mean, I'm living a really clean, healthy life and working on myself. It's just, I think for me, the the stuff that I relate to about your work is that Mm self-worth is it took me so many years to realize that I actually had something to offer in this space. Yes. And now I do my podcast and I'm like, I'm still shocked that people like to listen to what I have to say and the guests that I choose and curate and the conversations that I have, I'm like, really? 
I still have that sense of doubt yes. a lot of the time. That's yes. like, wait, I can actually do this as a job. It's yes, like, so it's like that beautiful. Uh, <laughs> you wake up to yourself every day, and there's a humbleness to it, which is still a low, low self worth thing. But that it is all, you know, no, it grow. is, it is. I mean, even when I reach out to people, whether it be you or anyone else, like I, the, it, on, I mean, if I'm really yeah. honest, and people seem to like in the show when me and the guests Absolutely. are super real. I mean, even when I email people, I'm like. My first thought is like, oh, they're going to answer my email. I'm like, oh, who is this loser? I'm not doing that. Totally. It's just programmed into you. Yeah. Thankfully, I recognize that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. I just work through that shit. Beautiful. You know, that you and can I just don't, witness it. Yeah, I don't really let it prevent me from doing what I want to do most of the time. And of course, right. as I get more feedback from the world and more doors open up, I mean, it diminishes and I do a lot of work to... Stay to, a little bit balanced in that. Yeah, but it's... um Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but no, going way back, it's kind of like you answered it a bit. So neither brought you massive success or happiness, right? Period. Yeah. They just didn't because yeah. I believe that's another component to my process that is never spoken about in any of those books. But I believe, and this is what actually helped me beca- start manifesting, I mean to the T always was that the universe sends you lessons and tests constantly and what it's doing it's only uh, intention is to knock you into your authentic self so let's say you've set an intention out there you've expanded you've called in the partner let's just say right but you still don't feel whole enough you're still emotionally unavailable so you're calling in emotionally unavailable or you're attracting emotionally unavailable people you're going to have you been been reading my fucking emails you live in LA like Like, no (laughs) I'm just joking my situation is not unique. You just described a very recent situation. Right. That's well, amazing. Yes. You are very intuitive. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. So the the sentiment that's happening with that, you both are being sent together because you're mirroring each other, and all you're mirroring each other to do is essentially shine what is missing in each of you to give you the opportunity opportunity to create wholeness, right? To integrate yourself deeper instead of seeing that situation as whatever X, Y, and Z that's going on, you're actually taking accountability. It's like, it's all the stuff that you've learned in the program to an essence. Like, I believe everything that's happening outside of us is a projection of our belief system inside of us. So everything we're receiving, I never at any point am like, oh, it's, you know, is there a cloud over me? I'm a victim. Everything's coming to hit me. Somehow I just attract in one emotionally available, per, unavailable person after another. It's not the case. There's something I'm projecting at a low self-worth space and non-lovable, you know, a fear of attachment. If you grew up enmeshed, I mean, there's so much there that you're, you're pushing away. So the beauty, <laughs> the beauty, That's good. This is great. <laughs> yeah, the beauty of what was going on in both situations that you worked in before, or what defined you before, is you recognized that there was actually not a passion that was going on in either of them. It didn't fulfill your essence. There was nothing about it bringing you wholeness. There was nothing that was the kundalini energy of just absolute creation and divinity rising and happening through you and either. But there was something that was an undercurrent that you weren't quite listening or tuning into that felt more of a hobby and that's what everybody should always be following that's like the continual download which you got which was this it was health biohacking spirituality that was really that's your purpose at this point on the planet and it had been loud enough so what I believe is the universe when you're in those circumstances are 
it's going to send you things to keep you uncomfortable and to learn lessons. So there's not a coincidence that on those jobs, there was just always one pain in the ass and it probably grew into more pains in the ass and you probably were off balance and tired and things were, you know, happening constantly. Oh, yeah, there was never flow. I mean, right. there's always like things just constantly going wrong, you know? I mean, right. I was successful. That's the thing. It's not like... I wasn't, but something. I was about doing my you. thing. I was making money. I mean, I from the outside, if you like, just looked at my website, you're like, "Whoa, dude's crushing it." Yeah. But when I'm on the job, I'm like, "God, this is such a pain in the ass. Why? How come it's just never smooth?" Right. And <laughs> you so know? you were literally like a bird being pushed out of the nest to be like, "Follow." I'm I'm giving yeah. you this divinity. Follow it. Listen. But yeah. on that note as well, all that happened to you was right. You got into the job, and it came to you divinely because it was meant to push you into what you're supposed to do. But all that was happening to you is that you mirror neuroned what other people were doing and you're like oh yeah I'm good at this I'm successful you're getting successful feedback so your belief system was expanding I can be a very successful I'm sure once you worked with one celebrity and two celebrity it expanded of how successful monetarily you could become but it still wasn't your purpose so you're going to receive lessons and tests to be like Luke, listen, <laughs> you need to make this shift. I'm guiding you. When you're here, you'll be supported. So that's why when people come to me, it's never, I want to get a yacht or a ha- like you're coming to the wrong person because right. number one. Do you one, have that happen? Never. Oh, okay. I've never had a client. It is so humble what pe- because they read my stuff. I mean, you're coming to me to become a whole integrated human being, right. to raise your self-worth, to expand your belief system. Even if you're aware enough to want to come to somebody for that, if you are aware enough, if you're at that point, you're usually past the point of thinking that that yacht's going to bring you happiness. And if right. you're not, I'm going to beat right. that into you, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. through that, you might eventually weirdly kismetly hit that yacht if you're supposed to and that, you know, but it definitely won't be to validate you, that's for sure. Well, with the material success, sometimes to me, it's just, it's like, that's the point of it isn't to be, it doesn't make me happy. Like there was a while I was renting a house in the Hollywood Hills and this house was so sick. I don't know. I just like, actually I did kind of manifest it because uh, the girlfriend at the time, uh, we went on a trip to Aspen mm. and we had, uh, we lived in apartments right next door to each other. We each in a different building. We went to Aspen and one of us had the idea like, hey, let's go to a bunch of open houses today. And so we went up on Red Mountain and we just mm. drove around to open houses to like, $25 million, $40 million homes. You know, we just walked in like, yeah, what's up? Just looking around, looking mm-hmm. to buy, you know, totally. just like acted like we were ready to buy one of those houses, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we kind of pictured ourselves living in there and just like, you know, we felt like frauds, but we just did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then when we got back to LA, we're like, you know what? Let's go get a rad house in the Hollywood Hills. And mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, boom, boom, boom. We found a really great one by the Hollywood Bowl. And there was a lot of applicants and the owner was like very emotionally attached to the house. Her mm-hmm. dad had built it and it was like, really hard to get and she thought about it and just grilled us and grilled us and finally she picked us over some other people that were going to pay more money mm, you know and wow. we got and we got that house but yeah you guys I would much I would sit it. up in that it had a 360 view of like from the beach wow. to downtown it was just insane not the beach but you know the, yeah, the yeah, Pacific yeah. Ocean when it's not smoky it enough. was just the the ultimate like mid-century 60s the raddest house ever Alfred Hitchcock's um, set designer was the architect I mean it was just wow. like it was just madness and the nicest house I ever lived in in my you know with my parents or otherwise wow. you know but anyway the the moral of the story is that I would sit in that house and look down on the Chinese theater because it was like over Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And that's like the neighborhood where I used to walk around all nights buying crap, mm-hmm, you know? Totally. I mean, just like the ultimate lowest 
of most your life. hopeless, yeah. desperate times of my life in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I would sit up in that house and it was like the house was a symbol of really like what, for lack of a better term, I guess listeners to my show won't be shocked at the use of this word, but there's no other word to really use, just what God had done for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Absolutely. I was like plucked out of the fucking gates of hell mm-hmm. and I worked hard too. It wasn't totally. like I just sat on my ass and waited for someone to give me a house, but you know, because of pursuing spiritual principles and really living the life I was living, I would sit up there and go, oh my God, this is just, this is so incredible. Because mm-hmm. I'd look back on that and go, how did I get from there to here? Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm happy because I'm in this house. No, it was house. a beautiful inventory. Right? Yeah. But it was just like, it was just a representation. It was just of something that had happened on the inside. Yeah. At the same, yeah, but at the same time, I had really beautiful experiences like the girl that I moved in there with after a few years, we broke up and she moved out and I would sit in that same view Mm -hmm. and I would just sit there and just cry, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, just gushing tears just at the loss of Mm -hmm. that attachment and the loss of that love. And that was also a great lesson because here I am in this dope house. Everyone thinks it's so cool when they Mm -hmm. come over and it's all decorated, all rad. And I'm like showing off on Instagram and it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm so into this house, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'm sitting there going, it doesn't matter where I could be right now. My heart is broken and no fucking house is going to fix that. Nope. Which Ever. was a great lesson too. Yeah, it was, it's beautiful. And then I, I love lo- that. And then I lost the house and now I live in this apartment that we're in right now. And you know, it's a nice apartment, but it's not as nice as that goddamn house. <laughs> but it's Are like, you a different person in either of them? Like, does that... No, it does, that's the thing. It doesn't yeah. matter. And you know, it was crazy. Like when, when we first got, uh, I got evicted out of the house because the owner just randomly decided to sell it to Paul Oakenfold, the DJ, weirdly enough. Yeah, totally strange. He just came out with a cash offer and she was like, nah, okay. <laughs> she was like, bye you guys. And then I was kind of sad, but you know, it's funny when I moved out of that house, I never thought about it again. Mm. I mean, now just because it's part of the conversation, yeah, it comes sure. up, but I've never once sat here and went, oh man, I wish I still had that house. No. I, just, I got in this apartment. I was like, this is great. I yeah. live alone. And then I found the beauty in living alone and learning how to be comfortable by myself. I never lived without roommates or girlfriends or parents or whatever. And the ultimate message is where you were is where you're at, right? Yeah, like yeah. Here. Wherever you go, yeah. there you are. There yeah. you are. And that's yeah, what... So it's like, if I could just move here or move there or get in this house or that house it's like yeah but you're still with you that's absolutely it and that's such um i honestly it's i it's very rare that i even attract that type of a person and that's wonderful i'm so high i'm like come my way it's great i can't wait to work with you in that capacity but for the most part because of the material i'm putting out on the blog i do get people that are hyper aware of what's going on with them they just don't quite know how to align with what they want and get their self-worth to match it essentially. And so it's lucky in the sense that I'm allowed to work going back to coaching or advising and how often you work with people. Some people are one session, some people are 10, you never know. And it's, that's exactly what you're, you're talking about. How close are they to themselves at that point? That's what's going to determine how quickly they manifest. Right. Did you, did you have any, struggles with starting to charge money for like doing spiritual work I mean I know you don't really contextualize your work it's more psychological as you said 15% spiritual but something that I've struggled with is like this is shit that I just do for friends and loved ones Mm -hmm. anyway Mm -hmm. and when I started going all right you're gonna have to give me (laughs) $5,000 to work with me for a couple months it was like uh shit is that right because I don't know like a lot of the the best teachers, they're the most profound teachers I ever had did it for free. They were just mentors. I mean, my my first guy I worked with for like 10 years, he was a biker man from Louisiana and he just, wow. 
he just helped me to help me because that was part of his trip, you know, and he changed my life. I mean, I just, he was like my guru. I followed this guy around literally everywhere for, I mean, maybe not the whole 10 years, but the first five years, I don't care where he was, I was there like four or five days a week. Just, I just sit at his feet and listen, you Mm -hmm. know, he changed my life and I didn't, I didn't pay any money for it. And even when he was like mentoring me, I used to think, God, if I was paying him like a shrink, I mean, <laughs> like you this would have cost me $300,000, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so then when I started sort of charging people, it was a struggle inside. Like mm-hmm. even when I first learned to meditate, mm-hmm. the, the meditation I learned, you pay a week's salary. It's Vedic sure, meditation. Yeah, I do Vedic as it's well. It's part of the tradition. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I don't know. It, I didn't trust it because like you shouldn't have to pay for like something spiritual. Yeah. And then it was contextualized to me and that well how's the teacher going to have time to teach people how to meditate and live yeah if they have to go work at sears or something you know so i was like okay i kind of get it so did you have to reconcile any like inner struggle or were you just like i'm worth this shit well it's interesting because i equate the frequency of money to self-worth period and so um for me especially through my whole life because I come from massive lack and that's been most of my work has been expanding out of that and bringing up my self-worth to deserving whatever I have. And I come from a similar dogma. Well, even like in Kundalini, right? Like as a spiritual being on a spiritual plane, you deserve to be prosperous, period. And whatever prosperity means to you because money is just energy. It's just fictitious. Yogi Bhajan had like 10 businesses. He was the most empowering, (laughs) especially to women entrepreneurs and females, you know? And so actually, Actually, he was the first person and, you know, I follow a lot of Guru Jagat, but they were the first to really plant those seeds in me of, and I was like, fuck yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) that makes sense to me, you know? And so when I started to start my own process and take it further, there was very much, it's all about the frequency of money is with self-worth. So starting out, I started out really low, just testing it and, and why it was low. It wasn't even a reflection of my worth at that point. It was just to test out my process, see how it works. Is everybody connecting to it? Am I getting in? Is it the way that's helping them to move? forward. And then once I started to hit sort of a six month mark and everyone I was working with was starting to manifest easily, I was like, no, no, I've got it pretty dialed in now at this point. And so I always let the supply and demand at this point dictate what I charge, you know, and right now the demand, the demand is much greater than the supply and booked out until February and March. So for me, I'm at the point where I'm at a confliction of like, do I raise my prices to this point, you know, but I still want to be approachable. So what my solution was to that was actually letting out into the world my program called Unblocked because Unblocked essentially came and was birthed from the fact that I will just prescribe work to clients. It'll be like, read this book. I want you to work through this, do every exercise. And some of them being like, fuck that. I don't have time. Like, (laughs) okay. And then me being really frustrated because I want to, I'm so result driven and because I want them to manifest, you know, and I also came from an alcoholic mom. So I want to fix people. That's sort of my thing, you know? And, um, At that point, I was like, okay, these people aren't really reading the books and doing the work. So I'm just going to condense it all down and make it an online version, a digital version. So it doesn't actually take any of my energy. It's four to five days of one process. Let's say shadow. That was two weeks, um, two times ago for me. And that was a 10 day process. So I can walk them through in ratio to manifestation, everything I need them to integrate about themselves and that discovery process and start to build community through that way. 
And that offering was only $65. And, you know, and my fee right now is 250 to 275 which I'm already like, I need to raise that at this point because there's so much demand. Um, so I started to find elements that made it feel a little bit more fluid for me, that there was tangibility for everyone anywhere, because there was a point where I was really broke and I didn't have the resources and I needed a healer and I needed guidance, but I had nothing, no money. I was so poor. So I have that all going on. I have the unblocked happening. And then I also have a scholarship program. So one client a month, I see pro bono. And that was the perfect, I always say everything's energy. So it was the perfect solution to relieving any of that guilt so that I could create that space for exactly who needed it, who would attract to that exact place and time and work with them until they move on, which tends to be, I mean, it, it's different for everyone, but I found my solutions within it that feel good. And I feel, I'm very much a business person. And in fact, when it comes, I'm a lone wolf and I'm a business person. That's just how I am as I'm a Leo rising and an Aquarius sun, you know, with like, three planets in Aquarius and two in Aries. Like I'm all about making stuff happen, being pretty solo and all about the manifestation of what I want. That's sort of just how I'm astrologically built. So I, when I'm, even when I'm maneuvering something like a collaboration, I have a lot of people that reach out about collaborations, but it's not really collaborations that'll benefit me. It's, you know, once it'll benefit others. And at this point, I'm on an endocrine level, just very exhausted that it's a big no to most anything that's energetically going to take away from my energy. God, isn't, isn't learning how to say no? Like, that's a, a beautiful, <laughs> tough, that a, was my last sunblock yeah. because it, saying no yeah. for the betterment of yourself, for something, for not settling for something less, which is such a core principle of what I teach, less than where you're at, not accepting less because it's, it's another portion of low self-worth. It creates the most situational magnitude that exists when you broke up with that chick who was treating you like shit but you loved her so much did you start to see things just come your way I mean the moment that you jump off of a cliff and trust a higher power that has your back because you're getting closer to valuing yourself and integrating you will watch the most things start to gravitate towards you so that was actually because as a codependent coming from an alcoholic mother no does not come natural to right, me right. it was very hard for me to learn how to say no and it's still a continual process of navigating it without being bitchy is like a big just expressing from my heart of what's going on it's very hard for me um, still communicating that but no especially energetically uh, saying no it's one thing and I always use relationships as examples because they're so relatable but it's one thing for instance to leave the relationship where somebody's emotionally unavailable and you're not getting what you want it's different if you're both you know um, agreeing to a certain type of commitment or non-commitment that's beautiful you're in equality you're exploring things together but if you are somebody who's seeking commitment and you tend to say yes to people that aren't emotionally available to commitment, that's you very clearly energetically speaking to the universe that I don't trust you will send me in what I want and I'm not worth it. So I'm going to settle for what is available. That is a big problem because what tends to happen is the universe is like, okay, but the moment that you do stand up for yourself, A, I'm going to send you a few bones to help you out. But B, when you start calling in that next partner, I'm going to test you again with a dangling, shiny thing and see if you'll settle for it, which will just be a similar circumstance in a different body. Damn. It's a huge thing. And <laughs> nothing great. talks about this. That's great. That's so true. And when I learned that, so manifestation true. was just like this. When I could pass 
pass the test and be like, there was a point, even when I was single, I was single for six weeks before I met my current partner and I called him in relatively early. Even in my last relationship, I started to call him in because we were very much moving apart. My last partner didn't want a deeper commitment. He was really afraid of marriage and everything that came with that. And at some point I really had to respect it. And so we were on and off-ish and would break up and yada, yada. And at some point I started to call him my current partner. And then we broke up. Finally, it came to a head where he was like, I'm just afraid to have kids. And I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like, I, I hear you now. I really hear you. And so we finally separated. And I was single for six weeks after six years. But I knew, I just knew I was ready for that other partnership. And I had mourned it in a lot of ways. And my ex, I don't think this would hurt his feelings, but we were very much like brother and sister in our dynamic. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of passion there, but there was a lot of respect and that, you know, beauty of being a brother and sister and roommates. Um, So it was so fascinating, for instance, if we just look at relationships because they are such a good model. I had, I mean, they're so hard to really register tests sometimes, especially when you're very, very close to receiving what you want exactly. And so even mine, it was like the way I have people call in intentions are through list. And that's very much a psychology thing and the way that the brain and retina registers writing. And then I believe projects into the universe and asks for what you want. So the moment that I cast that, I or anyone does, you're already in motion to sort of receiving what you want. There's a lot that has to happen before that can come through. If, if you're expanded and if your self-worth is in alignment with what you're calling in, it'll happen very quickly. But for the most part, people have to expand that they're worth this type of a relationship or show their subconscious that those types of relationship models, what they're seeking, actually exist in the world because it's never seen that. It's so registering off of what was happening in childhood. So they have to expand to create that space for it to come through. And then they're going to start being tested if they were in a relationship, especially for a long time that they were not settling in, but energetically were getting small in and you know not standing up for themselves or being fearless about going and getting what they wanted they're always going to receive a test so for instance for me I had to really I mean if I wasn't me it would have been very hard to read them and this is when I become pretty essential in the advising I'll be like I'll meet with somebody at first and I'll be like, here's all the homework you have to do. You have to go reprogram and do yada, yada, yada. Call me when you're ready to start opening up to that experience. And um, at that point, that's when I'm like, we really need to speak again because I will be your pair of eyes for tests. And especially when it comes to relationships with my women, I'm, I don't fuck around. I'm like, he's not that into you. He is blocking and holding space <laughs> for what you want. It's I am so harsh because it's the only thing that registers. Yeah. And so the moment that... Yeah, Women really need that kind of they message do. sometimes too. They yeah. really do. Yeah. Because they get so hopeful. So hopeful or they get so attached to an idea. Yeah. And so or, many of us guys are like, I mean, I, maybe just the guys that I'm around because it's been my propensity to be, I guess you'd say, love avoidant and mm-hmm. like not non committal. Yeah. I mean, I have like two friends that, like, in their early 30s were like, Yeah, I really want to find a good girl and settle down and get mm-hmm. married yeah, and yeah, have yeah. a family. Yeah. I mean, like, two out of 15 guys yeah. I hang out with, the rest are like, Ah, yeah. <laughs> maybe when I'm in my 50s, totally. we'll think about that, you know. And they're yeah. here, they're dating women, they're like, Maybe he's the one, you know. And Always. I'm like, uh, girl, he's not the one. He's definitely know? not. So, yeah. and that's where I'll be able to really 
dictate lessons and tests for them. Uh, but so, for instance, when we're calling anything in and we've expanded, we're most likely if we were ever smaller. So if we had a subconscious belief that was very small or we were settling in the past for something that wasn't as great as what we wanted and, you know, was a reflection of us not feeling as great as of what we wanted, they're always going to receive lessons and tests. Everybody will. And so the lesson was actually in the prior dynamic. That's where you should have picked up the right. fucking lesson. Right, right. <laughs> and then the tests are going to come through, which tend to be shiny objects. It's like a yeah. carrot. And yeah. it's sometimes very, very obvious, but the more you grow your self-worth and the more you're asking for something whole, it's going to test you in very slight ways. So it'll be the whole package. Like for me, for instance, my first date and that experience was the whole, it was everything I asked for. It was the whole package. And we went to dinner and he was checking out other women and he let me pick up the bill at the second part of the night. And that's beautiful. If a woman's like that, I grew up with a Middle Eastern man and two cowboys. It's just not how I roll. If you're courting, it's just not the deal. Once we're together, you know, I really believe in being super financially independent, but definitely not courting. And <laughs> it's going to get louder. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, but that's just my thing. That's yeah, my belief yeah. and my self-worth. Somebody else could be completely different yeah. and if it's defying theirs oh man you just opened up a, a huge like can of <laughs> we could go I mean yeah catch. no there's a lot there's a lot there <laughs> we there's a lot there yeah. but long story short yeah. it was that subtle to me being like okay this person was like a mix between Matthew McConaughey had a baby with Woody Allen I mean Woody Harrelson like the, it was what I thought I wanted yeah. but it was subtle enough for me to be like nope universe don't fuck I'm not fucking around here yeah. like and not many women or men would be able to navigate that. And so that created so much magnetism. The next person came in and I recognized that test and bam, then my partner it's that, came in. It's okay. So that brings us back to that knowing when to say no. Yeah, kind absolutely. Of yeah. And on the, and on the side of the one that this, I noticed this recently because I, I hit up a really big author who's like a big, a big money guy, like, mm -hmm. a, um, you know, teaches about money and stuff Love like it. that. And, uh, and I haven't really covered finances on my show and it's mm. about building the ultimate lifestyle, like totally. money and finance. I don't want to do like business, but this is like how you handle money, Love it. which is very challenging for me. And, and I know the guy through friends of other famous kind of dudes and stuff. And we went out to dinner once and I was like, Oh, we'll vibe. He'll probably do it. And I hit him up and gave him all my stats and he emailed me back. He's like, good for you, man. I'm proud of you, Luke. It's awesome what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I really have my head down in some projects mm -hmm. right now. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And I was a little disappointed, but I was like, respect. Yeah, in like, a great way to say yeah, no. Yeah, to beautiful. totally. You know, and I was like, that's fucking cool. I actually felt really good about it because yeah. I don't know. I think it's just because I respected his self-respect and, and him having boundaries. I was like, hey, man, cool. Said thank you so much for even answering my email. You know he's a lot more famous than I am. Yeah, and uh, I said maybe down the road it was cool, and I will hit Perfect. him up down the road. But it was like oh, that's how people actually respond. So it empowered me to yeah. say no more easily. And that not... was a mirror neuron. You expanded and yeah. how to say no. Yeah, so it's like it actually helped me with my own self value mm -hmm. and being able to say no to people and not feel guilty. Like the whole codependent it. thing of totally. caring, you know, being like taking on other people's feelings yeah. and like, ah, if they email me and I say no to have them on my podcast, I'm going to hurt their please. feelings. That whole people pleasing, like, uh, Neil Strauss, I interviewed him. He called it. Um, it was such a great one. Oh, that, you heard that, that one? Interview. Uh, pathological accommodation. Totally. <laughs> we talked about. And it, I, I like, laughed because I was like, boy, have I been that my whole. Yeah. And I'm just at a point now where I'm really empowered to not be that That's anymore. rad. Yeah. More power to us. Like, yes. I, I look forward to expanding in that way. 
If you're anything like me, you're a huge podcast fan. That's, in fact, why I started one. But there's one thing that I'm not a fan of, and that is trying to remember all of the resources and recommendations that either the host or the guest mentioned. Well, I've taken the pain away, my friends, and created a wonderfully clickable newsletter that I'm going to send you every week. To get on my email list, it's super easy. All you have to do is go to lukestory.com, click on Join the Evolution on the homepage, enter your name and email, and each and every week I'm going to send you every single link, resource, and recommendation that either me or my guest mention on the show. So no more trying to remember it, write it down, Google it later. All that has been taken care of for you. All you got to do is go to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter, and I'll send it all to you for free. Here's the bonus, though. A lot of the links that I'm going to send you have sweet, exclusive discounts associated with them, whether it be Bulletproof Coffee or some of the other brands I work with. I beat the hell out of these vendors and get discounts for you, and I'm going to send those to you as well. So sign up for the newsletter. You will not regret it. And now, back to the interview. I love where you're going, too, in that it's like you're sent these tests, these different types of relationships and experiences, right? And they end up being what you might call from one perspective, like a negative experience. You get hurt or it doesn't work out, like it sucks. But then if you have the awareness about the purpose of that whole Mm -hmm. thing and you can contextualize it in a way as a lesson and not like you said, like you were victimized and the universe is against you and God hates you, but like, oh, I manifested this shit. I called it in. I attracted it. I engaged in it and then luckily had, you know, the wisdom or the insight to extricate myself from it, mm-hmm. walk away, feel the pain of the loss, add that to my repertoire of wisdom mm-hmm. and then open from saying no, open up space to the next yes. Absolutely. And, and then, while you're in it, like a really big part of the accountability has to be like, why did it, what belief of mine on a very subconscious level, so not in the conscious mind, like in the alpha theta mind, what subconsciously attracted that experience? Because I, I believe we're the co-creators, but I believe, again, everything that we have in our world is something we projected and received. So the big lesson is to really boil down and see what that was, my belief that, that called that in and how I need to go and reprogram that and grow it, essentially. Yeah, (laughs) God, it's so hard to only do this interview for this period of time. I'm like, I had a feeling this was going to happen. We're just starting to geek out. Yeah, totally. But a lot of people that uh, messaged about this thing on Instagram because I was putting it all out there, they're like, "Oh, you guys are a perfect match. This is going to be great." And I'm like, "Yeah, it is." Uh, I mean, there's like, it's hard to restrain myself from all the different directions we could go. Um, So we'll we'll probably have to end up doing a part two someday. No problem. Uh, Let me see what 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 do I really want to make sure that I don't walk away yes and also if there's questions i never i don't even allow comments on the blog because that's a big part of the yeah, no and yeah. the, if you don't fucking like this go read another blog. well okay you know what then in the in the interest of time i yeah. i because I, I have so many things i want to cover actually okay i yeah. do want to ask one more thing and then i'll get to two listener questions that i yeah. think were were interesting there was a few of them i was like eh, you could probably find that information somewhere else yeah. but so a lot of the basis of your work is that we're bringing into our life whatever we're in alignment with based on our level of self-worth and like self-value. And that's definitely been, I think right now, I mean, I really am not making enough money. Yeah, great. For for my lifestyle. I'm just like, I'm not that extravagant, really. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't like buy flat screen TVs and shit. I've yeah. had the same furniture it's just for years. Just some things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have some healing <laughs> technology. Gets a little expensive, you know. Some of the PMF machines I'm are like with ten you. grand. Yeah, but it's like. 
so what is it in me that's not there? Or, you know, my relation, my romantic relationships are, some of them have, have been beautiful and mm-hmm. there's been really amazing things about them, but still not exactly what I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. So I can see a direct correlation between my self-worth because as I get out of each business thing or romantic thing or money thing, and then I learn that lesson, I'm like, oh my God, I was thinking so fucking small. Yeah. Like I, I, I literally thought I was a loser, and so I created a situation that didn't serve me. Yeah, or attracted one in. Yeah. that's just here to show you you're not that small, exactly. or to show you you are small and why you need to shift to get bigger. So if if the low self worth is at the basis of all yes. this, what's the key to valuing ourselves more and having more self worth? Because back in early recovery, the meme that went around was like. Oh, you have low self-esteem. You need to do esteemable acts, which is mm-hmm. like being of service. Mm-hmm. And I've been of hell of service. It just man. creates I mean, a codependent. I got ten guys <laughs> yeah. you could call right now, and they're like, "Luke is my fucking yeah, guru. Yeah, yeah. This guy changed my life. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're probably gonna like put me in their will and shit." Great. I felt a little better about myself yeah. because I I'm making a contribution in the world, and I'm really helping people from the heart and for free. But. That's like years and years and years of doing that and still having pretty low self-worth. Yeah. And I'm a high-functioning guy who's pretty successful. Totally. You know, but exactly. I think I still have pretty bad self-worth. Like, yes. And so how do you fix that shit? And I'm, I, I'm also so familiar with the program. Like when one of my mom's sisters was heading into Betty Ford, the other one was like waving on the way out. And also I've dated a lot of addicts. I myself... I'm had, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just natural. It's a wild Duh, dated them. At least it's not boring, right? <laughs> and honestly, they were all in recovery for the most part. So it was yeah. never, you know, I got that end. I wasn't oh, attracting cool. an actual addiction. That's, well, I that's good. Very, yeah. very low uh, patience with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just having been a child of it. So here's the thing about the program, which I, I really admire and I, I, I believe in and I myself am in Al-Anon and I love the steps, but the aspect, and it's not just the program, it's it's most self-help stuff that exists. It all, for the most part, exists in the conscious mind. It's like us right now in this state of being, however, our low self-worth, in my opinion, lives in our subconscious mind. And as you know, you can only kind of access those in very certain states. Like you're accessing it in Kundalini and I access it in different ways with people. A lot of it's in what I've you know, trademarked as my own thing of deep imaginings because it's a little bit different than proper hypnosis or post-induction therapy or NLP. It's just reprogramming. And for the most part, you can't really... What I've seen from somebody who's done so much self-help, nothing started to really boost my self-worth until my process of it. And so you've already kind of put your finger on it. Number one, you feel guilty about charging a lot. And that's just been programmed into you. That's it. It's something that can just as easily be expanded out of you and reprogrammed. <laughs> I met with a business coach the other day. He was like, how many downloads do you have? I'm like, oh, I'm creeping up on a million. He's yeah. like, dude, yeah, you like have a thing. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? It's you know? It's not. It's just. I'm it's like, a, huh? Really? Like, I'm cool. You know what I mean? Totally. It's like always the last one to know. You're that the you, last one to know that you're really bringing something special and of value to the world. You and know? that's that's exactly like that is truly the answer why your money's not equating what it should, um, or whatever your intention is to make out of it. And it sounds like you're expanded enough, and that you're surrounded around people. Just what I witness 
from listening to the podcast, you're around enough people who have helped expanded you into what you should be making, what it looks like. And But the only thing that's not actually helping you align with it is you don't believe on a very, very subconscious level, which is most likely in childhood, that you're even worth that. Um, and therefore, that's what you're continuing to receive, period. It's going to continue happening until the end of time, until you reprogram that and grow it and pass lessons and tests along the way. Because the moment that you start reprogramming that, you're going to activate some tests to come your way because the universe loves it. It's like, oh my gosh, this person's integrating. It's it's becoming whole. I have to make sure it won't settle for the things it did in the past. And when you're at a very low place, that can be things like abuse or, I mean, just it's anything, name it. And then you start to grow and it starts to become more subtle in your life of what those things are. They're just things that don't make you feel good. They don't reflect you feeling like a good human or a good person or in your power. You're going to receive those and it's up to you to navigate how to pass them, which is through the word... <laughs> no or the energetics of no the energetics of no are actually what's far more important from the universe's standpoint in my opinion what I see in the practice that I teach it's communicating through your actions and energy of no it's one thing to be like I'm not going to date this person anymore but to still be in contact and holding space for that person in your heart and texting them and all the things no you haven't communicated no at all the no needs to be no energetics of no I've moved on you weren't and it's nothing to do with you because I attracted you, but you weren't serving me. It's time for me to go and grow and elevate into what I want. For you, you're just having to do that on a monetary level. And what's very fascinating, like even kind of in Kundalini or astrology, love and money are connected, right? Like Venus and the second house. It's not um, coincidental that you might have a block in one and the other at the same time. And in fact, it's 90% of the time I see that in my practice. God damn it. Yeah. So just know that you're going to want to raise well, it's in, it's interesting that the no, or I guess you could say it's almost like that deeper level of a no, not just like no to an email totally. or something, but I mean like, no, I'm not having this shit in my life yes. anymore is like almost like a universal boundary. It's a, you know? and it's, it's all just like, energy. Yeah. And it's so funny because the way that I see this work, it is all just energy. And I have... It's called claircognizance. It's where after listening to the profile or the trajectory of someone's life, I just get the download. I know exactly what their blocks are. And that's my gift. And that's what makes this so easy. But what, and also a gift that I believe I have is how to communicate the energy that's happening. Because all that manifestation is, all that money is, it's all energy. That's all everything is, right? I mean, energetic matter is all everything we're around. However, it's starting to really understand how those forces work, which is just simple physics. So where there is smallness, there's going to be stuff that preys on it. So if you're small in money, you're going to attract in things that prey on charging you less or not paying you as much or what you're worth. It's just natural energy of what has to fill space. And so the moment you start to grow that and it's in balance with the thing, they connect. And so that's so much of what I'm just basically holding space for people and being able to have an eye on seeing is how the energy is working. That's it. And the same thing in love too. You know, it's it's very common for it, it, Neil's program was like the when I was listening to it I was like ah, everybody needs to be hearing this because half of what he did in his book like I then went on to listen to his book and oh, I was you did. like isn't it amazing it's so much of the work that I do with people it? it's so did simple did you um, when you when you listen to slash you know uh, I'm only on chapter like 56 oh, okay right now. I won't yeah. I won't spoil don't it, spoil I yeah. sat right there on that couch and read that and just like I told him in the interview. Um, 
I literally would just, I'd be like cracking up, just sitting there laughing because he's such a funny writer. And then the next page, I would be crying. I mean, yeah. it was like such a roller coaster for me. He's gifted with writing. He's a great absolutely. writer, right? Obviously, yeah. you know, goes did, to show. Did you, uh, did you, have you found yourself like sitting there cracking up listening to it at any point yet? Or are you not that far in? No, I definitely cracked up at spots, but a lot of it, um, most of my reaction to the book has been like, yes, yes, yeah. Oh my God, can everybody listen to this? Yes, life would be so much quicker and faster and easier especially right. when he was in the facility like when he you know the, <laughs> yeah yeah and I love I'm right at now which is what I experience still sometimes so when we start to expand as humans there's especially our subconscious because it's all looking glassy you know you're like is this real or not real that's sort of what happens in neuroplasticity but you know he's at the situation now where he's like am I even this or not I'm going to explore yeah. you know and that's yeah, what I yeah. call blinders you just can't you don't know what's real or not real and it can be a self exploration or it can be somebody helping you whose opinion you really trust or whose guidance you're paying to really trust and that's you know I get that from Danielle Beinstein <laughs> like she's my only person that I have that reflection on but I hold that space for a lot of people and it's very simple for me to see that so I'm at this point of just like loving him being in the matrix kind yeah, of figuring he's out he's what's still wandering real. yeah there is obviously a resolution because the interesting thing about the book the truth is that it's a five-year span of time, wow. right? That Which he, is amazing. That he goes through all that stuff. So it's really like an awakening from the beginning of the book into the end. Yeah. And and it was, I think why it was so uh, profound to me is I during that five years, I knew him and we would talk about the things that we were going through. But when he writes a book, he's a little bit secretive about like the details of yeah. it. So I was like, I don't know what exactly he's writing. He's like, he doesn't tell anyone, you know, it's like his, his little- process. His process, Yeah. yeah. But then when it came out, I was like, God, I was I was like kind of following the same sort of because we're the same age as oh, well, well. And I was yeah. like following a lot of the same um, you know, sort of um key points mm. in in growth and getting stuck and then getting past that and yeah. how he experiments with all the different styles of relationships and all that shit. Like I did the same thing, none of them worked, it's all bullshit. Like yeah, 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 know, totally. I discovered like all the same stuff and came out at the end and then what well, well you haven't gotten to the end. I so, know, I can't wait. Yeah, but it his ending was very fairy tale and mine was not so that's that was tough and I just want to wrap up that yes yeah. for you the moment you grow your worthiness and how much you deserve for money right you that will. was that was the question yeah, yeah. and period. I mean it's not like I mean I'm doing great yeah you know, it's just like I'm going yeah but I could be like much more comfortable and have freedom to do certain things and not have to worry about it you yeah. know it's just like what the hell so this, all doesn't, you are, this doesn't add up you're aware of the energetics that you're not um receiving what you deserve that's it that's all that's happening you right. have that awareness already yeah happening. yeah totally so um i have three more pages of, of questions here which we're going to do another time okay. so i am going to be a good guy and mm -hmm. i'm going to ask the two questions that we had from uh the listeners that i thought were cool one of them was someone a, a female obviously one of your fans. <laughs> One of my 95%. Um, yeah, 95% female fans said, and this is probably a long answer, but just in short, how do you fix your hormone? She's having a lot of problems mm. with her endocrine system mm -hmm. and periods and cramps yeah, yeah, yeah. and just being psycho. And she seems to think you have some answers in terms of how to get Ooh, your hormones. I've been on that journey for so long now. 27 Saturn Return is when mine started, which is really fascinating. There's a book I recommend to most people called Trauma. It didn't start with you. Uh, not that this is the answer to that, but it's how I sort of discovered that my hormone issue is probably a lot deeper than just the endocrine system, essentially. it's. I think it goes a little bit deeper to emotion and energetics and 
how maybe certain neurons are firing in my brain and in my gut and yada yada. So this book, what's really beautiful about it is you go through and this author, and I think he's a, he's a doctor, but he goes through and really shows you on an epigenetic scientific level of sort of how we create trauma or just disease we might be living out that we actually inherited. Um, and so essentially for a woman, she's, uh, when she's, her hormones and ovaries are, developed in her grandmother, right? Because her grandmother holds her mother and her mother when and developed was already her ovaries were inside of her. I'm making this complicated. But long story short, whatever stressors and trauma was going on in her grandmother, two generations later, she would then also potentially be experiencing on an epigenetic level. And what this book goes on to do, it's just a fun self-help book, is you start to really, and I love patterns. My whole work is watching people's patterns and downloading to find their blocks, their recurring patterns or what I help them discover and then unblock. And so you do your whole family tree and you look at like who was doing what and had what, something similar and getting down to the root lack of unlovability at the very bottom of it, which created all of these issues. May it be trauma or physical issues. So I went on to do mine and it was so fascinating to look at. So my maternal side of the family, they're all addicts. They're all Irish, you know, and they come from a lot of dysfunction and it's a lot of recurring dysfunction (laughs) through generations. Uh, But so my grandfather... His mother at 27 sort of became an alcoholic. She was also run over. He witnessed that. He was a great father, wasn't really a drinker. And then at 27, 28, Saturn returned, became an alcoholic. My mother, most of her sisters at that point became addicts in some way or another. May it be weed to booze. My mom never drank when I was little and right at around 27 to 29, she became an alcoholic and Saturn returned my endocrine issue started right at 27. So I did all of this and I looked and I was like, holy fuck, we all became isolated and not good enough, you know, and that planet, let's say Saturn return, it's the planet of responsibility growing up, reality, real life. It all hit us sort of the same way at the same time. However, I've just never had an addictive personality in any capacity. I went the opposite way that my sense of isolation where I can't have pleasures like other people or do anything that other people can do or eat what other people can eat manifested in an endocrinology way you know that was sort of my issue so I've been on a long I just think that's fascinating and anybody should do that if they have health stuff going on but I would love to say I have that all keyed in and figured out I have it pretty managed at this point but I'm on a mission to fully heal it and some of the wonderful tips along the way have definitely been woman code I mean every woman should read that book especially for your endocrine system it feels 101 but at the same time it's the biggest hormone hack I believe is a book that sort of exists ish in the world. So that was really helpful for me to even realize it was endocrine issues and to go seek help from it. And the blood sugar stability is absolutely everything. If you want some sort of, so you know, if you want balanced hormones, being a fruitarian is probably not a great definitely idea. Definitely the worst. <laughs> oh man. I look back at those times. I was a raw vegan and a vegan and that's beautiful. Maybe for some people's constitution, but boy, was it the worst thing I ever did yeah, to my body. I bet you were pretty moody. Probably so moody. I can't remember. I wasn't even aware enough. You know, when I got on a high fat diet and like virtually cut out carbohydrates and sugar, I was like, 
who's this balanced person? Yeah, I was like, dude, I feel it. I'm just like, I'm like a statue walking around the world. Just like, I'm so centered. So centered. Yeah, it's really, it's it's interesting, yeah. But long story short, I don't have it totally figured out. I have it really manageable. I see an acupuncturist twice a week. There's a lot of stuff that I do, but I'm onto a whole nother level now of only crazy shit you can find in LA, like where I'm working with an angelic healer. No joke. I had two friends recommend this person (laughs) who won he totally cured her asthma since she was three seen every specialist was off of an inhaler right away after seeing him so I heard that and then she told me the story of him um helping to cure someone else's cancer after three sessions and he really believes in like emotional trauma manifesting too yeah and we're in alignment that way so I'm working with him now I'll try anything out there but I definitely don't have it fully healed and I'm on a mission too and once I have that figured out I'll certainly be sharing that information on the blog because it's been the most hellacious experience out there for me yeah okay cool so it's a work in progress and honestly like if you just look at manifestation I'm a control freak like it's been the best thing to give over control I've had two miscarriages that was like the biggest thing to not be able to control that experience but to be able to call in those beings the like astrology signs that I wanted but to lose them so I think for me I'm being tested in a lot of ways to be like hey go with the flow like stop trying to control every experience you're so contracted relax and go with it I know a little bit about control. I bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Neil is the one that pointed a lot of that out to me over the past few years. Yeah. It's funny because he like, he has come to me at times for health advice and stuff like that. And he's like, he'll take it. And then he's like, you realize you're totally controlling. And I'm like, well, you just asked me. I'm teaching you how to be controlling (laughs) about everything you eat. Okay. The next question is, uh, what's your morning routine? Ooh, that's so funny. Um, It changes all the time, but right now I wake up and then I lay in bed for 30 minutes and I just kind of give gratitude and exist in the moment and some, and I'm just being lazy and I don't want to get out of bed. I brush my teeth and tongue scrape. I don't oil pull. I never connected to that. I've given it a lot of fair shots, but it just I never think oil pulling is bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't I think mean, it does anything. I like honestly. I give respect to five thousand years ago in Ayurvedic medicine, but it just it's not my thing right it's now. Funny, yeah. But I've, I love tongue scraping. It's yeah. Great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I do that. I have to eat within thirty minutes to an hour of waking up. I have to have protein for my endocrine system. That's like. 101 if you have any endocrine issues you absolutely have to feed your body protein i personally cannot it has to be animal protein during those cortisol times for me but again yeah. once i have this balanced it'll probably i was not reading on your blog that. that you'll do bone broth and add some collagen to it i or do yeah. oh, i always yeah, have that's, bone a, broth that's a great way to start a morning for sure yeah. and i do those Very simultaneously grounding. i'll have the bone broth and then eat and then after that i do vedic meditation i go to the gym and work out and then i don't even start taking clients until 11 because for me that is like my sacred time to be able to be a balanced human being Me too. and self-care. Yeah. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Great routine. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't do anything before eleven. Right? I can't. Uh, this morning I did three or four hours of self-care stuff and yeah. then I like picked up my phone and, and then do yeah. Dealt with the world. Oh, and I do my sadhana. I do that every morning, which is only about 
you know, I tune in and then I do two Kriyas. I'm very lazy about it, but I do do that every morning too. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, there we got the two questions answered. I Hopefully yeah. the, the girls that asked uh, were able to hear it. Yes. Uh, so I think we're about out of time, but I want to just thank you so much for coming over today. And I'm just glad, like I emailed you, you emailed right back. We're like, yeah, cool. Let's do this. It just yeah. came together super easy. And, it was uh, so great. I was so happy to receive it. Awesome. Yeah. And so, it was Desiree Pius who connected us. He's yeah. Just so uh, she comes out her episode will be out a little bit before yours will awesome. so yeah I'm gonna definitely thank her again and uh, yeah it's just really rad to meet you it's, you it's, too thank I, you since it, it's so cool since doing this show I meet so many people that I'm in alignment with yeah. Because I always felt like the freak. I'm here like in the fashion industry doing all this stuff. And like I'm always the weirdo. And I think I'm the only one that's into all this stuff. Yeah. So now I get to meet all these people. I'm like, where have all these cool people been? You all know? the aliens. Like, yeah, I've been together. like in LA for 28 years. And I know some cool people. But yeah. I'm like, wow, you're like incredible. The community. It's That's yeah. the most special part about being in this work, I think, in general. Yeah. You just meet so much community that... You don't feel isolated. You know? Yeah, totally. So thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, I'm thanks so a lot. Grateful. Great conversation. And uh, oh, wait. Oh, my God. We have one more thing. What? I need a recommendation for yeah. three teachers or teachings that have influenced you. Ooh. Because oh. you've taught the audience and taught me like yes. an immense amount today. Oh, so thank you. who have been three teachers or teachings that you might recommend kind of further up the food chain from you? You know, that's so interesting. I definitely have to right now pay homage to like Guru Jagat. I definitely follow regularly and listen to her and I love her. I feel like all that can come to mind is very contemporary at the moment because I will say this and this isn't an egoic thing, but a lot of my information, how I live my life is downloaded through me, which is so weird. So I guess I can say God, the universe, that's a huge teacher for me, like whether I like it or not half the time and never would have seen myself doing anything that I do right now. And then who has been my third biggest teacher? I want to just say, you know, like a huge thank you to Jack of the Broad Place for teaching me Vedic meditation, which I only learned, I think, a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe a year. I don't know when it was, but it's been one of the biggest gifts, especially for the endocrine system. For me, it's one of the things that really brings me down and brings everything into homeostasis. So I'm only me getting, too. yeah. I, lo- I, yeah, I love it. I, ca- I can't imagine. I interviewed, uh, I'm interviewing Jeff Cober, my teacher. Oh, actually. that's one of hers, I think. Yeah next week and Wonderful. so I'm excited he's the one who who told her about this angel healer really I'm pretty sure they're, oh, wow. it's the same Jeff but wow, cool. so you'll have to get the lowdown on cool. this guy he's yeah. out there so I'm interviewing uh, I'm interviewing him and, but I interviewed Emily Fletcher who's a big Vedic teacher um, in New York and right. she said something about her meditation and she said you know what there's no amount of money you could give me mm. to give up meditation oh wow I was like <laughs> once I was in and like had a practice yeah. that I do I don't do it always twice a day but me definitely either. like I do one 20 minute thing uh, at least once a day same and like honestly you could be like hey Luke I'll give you the state of California mm-hmm. and you know we'll sign the title over to you yeah. I'd be like no thanks yeah there's nothing you could it's give so me it's so powerful like, yeah to, to give that up it's so valuable so I'm glad you yeah. found that too and then lastly where can we find uh, website social media anything you'd like to promote or send yes. people to so freeandnative.com is definitely where you can find all of the stuff we talked about and the next big thing coming up is the reparenting ourselves unblocking which 
if you were a kid, you should do it uh, if you want to manifest well. And this actual one is very different. There's um there's a book out there that is really, or an author, John Bradshaw, is sort of like the guy for reparenting and inner child work, which I immensely respect and have worked through as well. But my unblocked version, which will be the digital affordable one, is really in relationship to manifestation. So it'll be going through kind of the major key points for sort of self-worth, which will be like, were you wanted? Uh, meaning, did your parents consciously have you and bring you into the world for you and not them? You know, so it's going to really be going through what I see to be pretty pivotal, um, underdeveloped gaps within somebody's manifest or magnetic projection that they need to go and reparent and heal up and patch up so that they can project at a different state. Brad. Yeah. Awesome. I'm into it. I'm going to yeah. go back into your site and geek out now. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. This is amazing. All right. So thank good. you. Thank you so much for joining us thank today you. on The Lifestylist. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. <laughs>
forward slash events. That's the best way to just find everything in one place. And then from there, you can link out and get yourself registered for all these events. Now, listen, you guys always get to hear my voice, but it's so rare that I get to hear yours. So make sure you come out and see me at some of these fantastic celebrations. And absolutely, by all means, come up and say hi, because I really dig meeting the listeners of this show. Can't wait to see you guys soon.